What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another week and another episode of Scripted, where we're bringing you professionals from all walks of life. We touch on their backstory, their mindset, and how they navigate through adversity and opposition. I'm your host, Akeem Haynes. Before we get into this week's episode, do us a huge favor. Head to Apple Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Chartable.com, or Spotify, and leave a rating and review of the show. This small act goes a long way in moving the podcast forward. So this week on the show, man, we have an incredible episode um, for episode 101. She's a mother of four children, a certified life transformation and nutrition coach, and the founder of the internationally recognized makeup brand, Mia Dora. This week on the show, Natasha Mensa. If you've heard of Natasha before, maybe you've seen her online, maybe you've purchased her products or seen her speak on stage, then you know the energy and information and passion and joy she takes with her wherever that is that she goes. When I first met Natasha, I knew small snippets of her story, but I wanted to know the full details of how she was able to smile and be joyful despite some of the trials and tribulations that impacted her life all of a sudden, and she had to pivot and try to figure things out. In 2019, Natasha's husband passed away from colorectal cancer. Immediately, her life was changed forever. This moment left her in a dark spot with four kids to raise, a business a business she wasn't qualified to run, a team that was depending on her, and trying to grieve the loss of her husband herself. Throughout this episode, Natasha takes us through the ups and downs of her journey, the good moments, the tough moments, the challenging moments, and how she's able to smile and live fully with purpose while raising her four kids. Uh, we talk a lot about business as well, too, the pivot that she had to make and the power of social media and how she used that to not only uh, bring awareness to certain things, but grow her brand and her audience with authentic transparency and sharing the tough parts of her. Immediately after her husband passed away, she had to kind of go into grind mode. And as she says in the episode, survival mode, right? But she found a way to push through. She found a way to overcome and she found a way to stay in the moment and to stay present. Um, she lives by this motto. If I can do it, then you can too. This is a message that Natasha preaches to her audience through authentic transparency in all of her messages across all of her social platforms. There are a lot of things that resonated with me throughout this episode, um, and I believe it will resonate with you as well, too, especially if you're a mother, right? She speaks the truth, she's transparent, and she's truly an inspiration and a ray of hope that you can push through uh, in the midst of tough times. You just have to have a formula and a way of doing so. So without further ado, enjoy this week's episode, Natasha Mensa. Okay, Natasha. So <laughs> I like to start every, especially season three, I like to start it the same way, right? As we've talked about before, and you're big on this too, I'm big on gratitude, right? I, as I've always said, I th it's hard to start your day negative in a negative state when you're grateful for all the things you have and what's in front and almost in front of your life. So give me three things you're grateful for today. Oh, I am so grateful that I personally and my family is healthy. Mm. And I know we say that so casually, but when you've seen somebody sick and die, you're just like, just being healthy and not having any pain in your body is you're good. Uh, so that's number one. Um, I'm safe. My family is safe. And uh, another thing I'm thankful for, I get to do what I love. Mm. Yeah. You know, that first one, that first one is going to 
hit a little bit different as we get into the story for people understanding it, right? But here's the thing, Natasha, people see you now, they see you at a certain part in your life, in your journey on the mountain, right? Looking at the mountain, standing over and looking on it. And I think that often gets misconstrued because where we are now isn't where we started, right? So if we can go back to the beginning and understanding of a person, we can see how they got there. From your earliest stages, Natasha, what was the dynamics like growing up for you? What was the environment like? What was the times around the city like for you? Oh, interesting. Okay, we're going all the way back. Back. We're going back. We got <laughs> all the way back. Uh, okay, so a little bit of my background. Um, I was born in Lethbridge. My my mother. That's where my mom is from. She's a uh, Eastern European background, Hungarian Ukrainian, and my dad uh, immigrated uh, from Guyana. Uh, so he left his family to come to Canada, and, and my parents met, and uh, they had me <laughs> and my brother. So um, growing up, it was. I mean, it was good. Um, I think it was like a lot of dysfunctional families, to be honest, <laughs> we all have our issues. Fast forward, my parents ended up getting divorced, uh, at 14. And that was a significant time in my life where we didn't know the Lord. No one in my family knew the Lord. Um, everyone was very lost and, uh, it was a very horrible, um, really, really, really bad divorce that happened. A lot of ugliness that happened. And I was really, really lost to be honest with you. It was a very dark time for all of us. And uh, one day I stumbled into uh, a church mm-hmm. and uh, I met the Lord. And um, this was when I was, I, I had finished high school, just got into nursing school and my life completely changed after that. So yeah, that's kind of how everything really started and, and changed for me, I would say. Going back to the divorce, right? Everybody handles it a little bit differently. Okay. Especially- yeah. I'm like, how much detail do you want to know? There's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can oh, go yeah. And especially, especially as, as young adolescents still trying to figure out things about ourselves, right? Our brain is still growing. We're still seeing things differently. It affects people differently, right? I've known people in certain situations where they suppress it and they say, Mm -hmm. oh, it's not a big deal, but it comes back down the road. And then I've had people who leaned in, which one were you? How did you deal with that? And did you understand like, you know, like what's going on here? Like, why y'all doing this? Oh, it was, it was horrible. I no, I had no understanding. I had no understanding uh, because no one, both of my parents were very broken. They were they both, uh, neither one of them had parents that were functional, come from a very long line of dysfunction on both sides, um, like uh, divorce, uh, jail time, drugs, alcohol. Um, yeah. M- major mental health issues on both sides of my family. And so I, I don't blame my parents. I, I think, you know, they did the best they knew how in that moment, but it was very, very dysfunctional. Um, and it completely broke me mm. as I, you know, I was 14 years old. I was, I was an athlete, actually. I was a competitive swimmer. I was, uh, I had a, my black belt karate. My dad was my role model. He was my best friend. And then um, <clears throat> things just got heated and it escalated to the point where, um, you know, I, uh, I, I saw my dad uh, be taken away in handcuffs mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, if I could be really honest. And so it, it messed me up bad, really bad. All of a sudden I, I didn't see him for a long time and um, no blame on him or my mom, but they just both checked out completely, yeah. completely yeah. checked out. And <clears throat> so I was, I was a lost soul, you know, uh, in high school. And I went from being an athlete training eight times a week to being a party girl, you know, just numbing pain. You don't even, you don't even, um, you're not even aware of 
your brokenness in that moment. Mm-hmm. You now you're just kind of in survival mode. So um, I didn't start dealing with it until I became an adult a little bit. Uh, like I had forgiven my parents and stuff like that. And like, thankfully, when I met the Lord, he's the one that actually showed me what it's like to be a father and like showed me my identity. I can go into details there, but he's the one who showed me who I was. Um, but it's actually not till just recently and I'm 36 now and gone through everything I've gone through. And I'm sure we'll go through that, that I'm actually even healing more now, my daddy issues um, compared to even before. Yeah. You know, as a, as a, as someone who, you know, my mom had me early. Right. And it's one of those things where I got to grow up with her to see all that she is today. Right. That's one of the things when you have a young child, you get to grow up with them. Um, But I saw different things and you see different things from each and every single relationship that you're around from a self-worth standpoint. You know, you did have both parents in the house for a little bit and then you didn't really see them as much. Mm -hmm. Where were you looking for for self-worth did you feel like you were worthy of the love because again these are things that people don't be asking right you just go man just keep pushing exactly right so what what did you even have an understand did did you feel loved um and especially sorry especially uh uh your father's Guyanese right yes in the Caribbean household yes you know you're loved yeah you don't hear it yep (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, exactly. And I knew my parents loved me, but I felt very rejected Mm. for sure. And especially uh, to be, you know, super real about the whole situation, you know, my dad immediately was with both, both my parents, I would say, found other people to be with right away. Mm -hmm. And I remember just being like, like, no, like I need you. And like, just having that like straight up rejection, like so fresh. Mm. So it's, so it's like, you know, you, you know, they love you, but you, you definitely feel rejected in that moment. So you start looking towards your friends and your peers for distraction and pleasure. Really. You know, one of the yeah. interesting parts, uh, Natasha, about your story moving forward is, and, and we're going to get into it later. You didn't have yeah. any, uh, entrepreneurship became something later down the road, but at the beginning, was it, was it a thought? Did you have it mirrored? Did you see anything? Did you even know what that is? Cause you know, we heard the word, but we didn't understand what the word meant. <laughs> no idea. No idea. I grew up in the household where it's like, you're going to become a doctor. That's all I heard. You know, um, mm. you're not going to be a stay home mom. Like I, I grew up in, uh, my mom was the very independent educated woman she came from that era, you know, from the women that were fighting for the rights and all like the feminist era. Right. And that was part of the, the headbutting issues that were happening with my parents looking back and now understanding what happened. So growing up, it was like, don't even think about being a stay home mom. Cause that's like the lowest of the low, uh, you're going to become a doctor. And so that's all I knew. And it's so funny looking back because since I can remember like five, seven years old, I was on the streets hustling. Like I was like selling my brother's toys. I was you know, having a lemonade stand. I was going door to door. Let me shovel your, your, your sidewalk uh, sweep. I was, I, we used to go to Florida all the time. I have lots of family in Florida and I would go and collect seashells, come back to my hometown and like go door to door and see if anyone buys seashells. And I was just playing. 
And no one ever like said anything about it because she's just playing. Right. And not realizing that was my gift. Yeah. And um, so entrepreneurship was never talked about it. And if it was talked about, it was very negative because I saw my dad fall on his face a lot, like trying to start businesses didn't work out. And uh, there wasn't, and it was the cause of a lot of problems, a lot of strife in our family. So it was never anything I even entertained uh, for a moment, to be honest. I I went ahead and went to nursing school and I was on my way to become a doctor. I did pre-med until the Lord uh, interrupted me. (laughs) Okay. Let's go. Let's go there. Okay. Right. Because again, you're in the household where doctors and and, and all these things is, is in the atmosphere you get there. What happened? Why did you, why did you, why did you go a different path? Because, you know, when you're halfway there, most people are going to be like, yo, just finish it. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. So I did go ahead, you know, despite all the dysfunction, thank God, you know, by his grace, I did end up getting into nursing school, a university, and um, I became an RN. And uh, so I was really, really thankful for that. And then for med school, you need a degree first before you can apply yeah. to med school. Um, so during that time I had met my husband at the time, he was, uh, an engineering school and, um, and I also given my life to the Lord. So I was starting to transform, you know, a bit, things were changing that entrepreneurial bug, you know, bit me, or I guess you could say, as I was learning about myself, I was starting to, you know, awaken to myself and what God put in me. So that's when I started like kind of exploring options, even though, um, I was in nursing. And um, so then after nursing, I started doing, I, I did two years of pre-med sciences, like biochemistry and stuff like that. And that's when we ended up uh, getting married, actually. Mm-hmm. And when we got married, I um, I got pregnant after we got married and we ended up losing the baby. Mm-hmm. And then after that, like halfway through the pregnancy, I miscarried. After that, I just felt everything inside of me. I'm like, I just want to be a mom. Like, I don't care what anybody says. I want to be a stay home mom. And like go against like what everybody, you know, had told me to do. I just wanted to do that. And, you know, thank God I did because um, after my first, like when I was pregnant with my first son, Malachi, um, even though I was a nurse, it's my I little brother's like, middle name. <laughs> oh, really? Oh my gosh. I was obsessed with that name. I love it. It's so beautiful. Um, yeah. It's a messenger of God. So um, when I was pregnant with Malachi, I knew for sure I wanted to be a stay home mom. I stopped going to school. Um, and while I was on mat leave, I really felt so strong in my spirit to start my own company, start and, and do it all online. This was like before e-commerce was a thing but I just could see it. I, I just could see it. I could feel it. I didn't know what it looked like, but I just, that's when I started diving and started basically teaching myself, um, you know, marketing business skills, looking at opportunities, like everything was completely self-taught during that time. And, and then it evolved from there. Would you say Natasha, that was your first leap of faith, right? Because I think, I think people who follow Christ or maybe you don't follow Christ. Maybe you yeah. you have different ways of speaking to God, right? But for yeah. us, you know, we're Christians. And yeah. sometimes we hear what we think may be the Lord's voice. Now, sometimes it's very direct. Sometimes it's a whisper. Sometimes yeah. you're just like, wait a minute, is that is that my yeah. intuition? Tell me what the case may be. But yeah. why did you feel so compelled to do that? You know what I'm saying? Was it, was it, was it, was it maybe even going back to thinking about what your parents may have said? right? For you to get there, for you to say, you know what, I, I don't want to go that path. I want to do this because a lot of times we hear certain voices that may come 
like coincidences mm-hmm. we don't necessarily have the intuitiveness to act on them so what what why did you feel so compelled to do that wow that's such a good question uh, there there was a couple things um one is the more time you spend with the lord the more you the clearer his voice is to you and the one thing i'm thankful for too is i didn't grow up in religion at all so it was very i had a very unadulterated uh, faith you know, like I could, I could, I just, that childlike faith, like, I know this is God because it's like so different than everything else. And it aligns with his word. So because I was in the word every single day, I could, I was getting revelation. I was getting business revelation, actually business revelation. And so for me, it was just more confirmation. I had spent so much time with this. It wasn't like, I was just like, I'm going to start a business and like drop everything. You know, it was like, (laughs) you get this feeling, you get this sense and you just like have this like peace inside of you where it's like, I know this is not what everyone wants me to do, but I feel like this is the way I need to go. And, and you're just like, you're trusting that. And then I had trusted people in my life, spiritual mentors, just, you know, you only need one, (laughs) one or two, right. And my husband at the time, which, you know, we're very much, you know, believers, you have to be in unity before you're making any big decisions. And so we're both in prayer about it. And uh, so then it was just, I I didn't care to be honest, what anyone else thought at that point, because it it didn't matter. hundred <laughs> percent right because yeah. you know but my grandmother used to say you know Kim, if if people don't take the time to get to know you and understand what you're talking about why do you care what they say and you, i know i never really understood that until i got older and i was like yeah okay this woman was way beyond her years right? but for the next couple questions uh natasha we actually got to talk about andrew yeah what was he what was he like Right. Because I hear the name. I've heard bits and pieces of it. No one's ever asked. No one's ever told me what he was like. Yeah. Who knows him better than you? Right. Like what, Mm -hmm. what, what was he like? Yeah. Wow. So I met Andrew. He was 22. I was 18 when we met. So we and we were together. It was coming on 15 years uh, before he passed away. So we really grew up together a lot. And before we met each other, we were both, uh, we didn't know the Lord or anything like that. Uh, he was an, he was a very smart individual, <laughs> very, very smart engineer. He was also doing what his parents, coming from an African background, West African immigrant family, um, like you have to become a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer. Real also, lawyer, yeah. I feel like every immigrant family put, and understandably so, they're like they sacrifice their life. They want the best, yeah, like their intentions are very well, very well sounded. For sure, it's like you're not wasting your life after everything we've been through. <laughs> so he was like, you know, he was down, and he hated it. He was like, I'm not an engineer, but I did because my parents, you know, made me. <laughs> We're like, you have to do this, and I didn't know what I, what I wanted to do. So. Um, he, yeah, so he was uh, an electrical engineer and uh, I gave, I had given my life to the Lord and then he was very resistant. This is a part that nobody knows. I'm going to, I'm going to share this with you guys. Everyone sees uh, the Andrew now, you know, like after, uh, you know, he's like known as like the legend and he did so much great work and he was a role model and, and that's hundred percent true. Um, but before that, <laughs> you know, he was a, a typical guy for sure. <laughs> We all fall short of the glory. Natasha. We all <laughs> yeah. fall short of the glory. 
He was, he was definitely a typical guy going through typical guy struggles uh, for sure. And the one foot in one foot out with his faith for a long time. And it came to the point actually where we broke up and I was like, I'm done. I'm not my life. I'm going with the Lord. You can do whatever you want, like peace type thing. And that's when he really jumped full force and like completely transformed his life. Like I'm, I don't think I've ever seen someone like wholeheartedly do, uh, you know, like a complete turnaround like him, where it was just like, got rid of everything, drugs, alcohol, relationships, anything that was toxic, completely surrendered his life to the Lord, you know, got new mentors, got new everything. And like, um, that for, for him is when he also got in touch with, you know, the gifts that God had given him. And one of his, I would say his strongest gift. And a lot of people I think would agree with this is he's a phenomenal communicator. He was a phenomenal communicator and a phenomenal um, connector, really, really good at connecting and drawing things out of people. So, um, and he also had that business heart that was suppressed. Mm. Um, So we, we had ended up actually starting a business and didn't tell anybody for about a year, year and a half um, before we like, we started, like we were doing well. Then we finally told our parents, by the way, uh, you know, he quit his engineering job. (laughs) you know to start selling products on amazon you know (laughs) first they're like yo what is amazon like what what is that (laughs) yeah yeah it was a huge leap of faith but yeah so he went through a dramatic dramatic transformation for sure Um, natasha you spoke about gift twice you said it twice and that's one of the questions that people ask me the most what is my gift how do i find my gift if someone is asking that trying to figure that out what would how would you give them a definition to help them get closer to that yeah. And, and the first thing I would say is we all have them. Absolutely. Don't think that you don't have them. We, we all got them. God's put them in all of us. It's just, they're hiding, you know, and, and often they're right in front of our face. Mm-hmm. And I would ask them, what did you love to do when you were a kid? Mm. What did you love to do when you were a kid? When, when no one was telling you what you had to do, but you wanted to do and what, and even as an adult now, what do people come to you for? Yeah, that's good. Like advice. That's good. And, and what do you actually, and the other question I ask people is this that are confused. Okay. You have a billion dollars in your bank account right now, right? You're, you're not even thinking about money. You have no fear. What would you love to be doing? What makes you feel alive? doesn't mean you're even really good at it yet. You can get good at it, but what would you love to be doing? And I believe between those three questions, you'll find your gifting. For sure. That's good teaching right there. That's good teaching right there. Natasha, so we are now into entrepreneurship, right? We said, you know what? Look, that doctor stuff, we're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Engineer stuff, look, we got other things to do. Yeah. But now we got to establish it, right? And I think one of the questions, I think one of the biggest things that stops people from pursuing certain things, right, is when it doesn't line up in the time frame that they want it to, yeah. right? You, you start something for two weeks or a month or two months, and you're just like, I'm not seeing any progress. Like, what's going mm-hmm. on here? At, mm-hmm. at How long did it take for you guys to develop that foundation to say, you know what, now we can start to grow because you got to have the foundation before you know how to scale it, which way to move with it, if you even have something, right? So what, mm-hmm. did, what did that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. And even before that, you guys, like, I remember we started playing around with like, um, you know, mar- multi-level marketing, 
um, like just because we didn't, we had no idea what even business was, right? <laughs> so like you just kind of like start trying different things, and yeah. like we tried lots of different things to be honest, and like nothing really stuck. But we both just like that's okay. Like we'll just keep going, right? And just keep learning and keep learning and keep learning. And every day I was just learning as a stay home mom. By that point, I had three kids under three. Okay, um, I'm a stay home mom. I've already gone against my what my family wanted me to do twice. <laughs> right to so this rebel child. Um, but every day I would just be listening to stories of other successful entrepreneurs every single day. Every and then I started just imagining and dreaming, and then I started seeing opportunities. Mm-hmm. And then we took a course. So you're like, you're constantly like learning and dreaming and trying things and failing and then trying something else and failing. But I don't even like calling it failing because it's just like literally just stepping stones, right? And then eventually, um, Andrew actually felt the Lord tell him to quit his job, which I'm not telling other people to do this. Like you need to do what's right for you. But like he had that, he had that confirmation. We felt it in our spirit. By that point, we were just starting um, our Amazon business. We were just launched and the, the money wasn't there yet. Okay. It was like a huge leap of faith. Mm. And um, right after he had quit that and we were like full force with this business, this online business, it started to take off. And within six months, he had already you know surpassed his income. And within that year, we hit seven figures actually wow. in, in sales um doing that see, yeah. see uh obviously everybody's story is unique right it's different yeah. but when you feel led and compelled to do something if you trust it and obviously the way how you were operating the both of you yeah. it was going to take off at some point mm-hmm. but the other part natasha that people don't tell you is uh every season has an expiration date Yes, And sometimes the seasons, especially as entrepreneurship, but in life, they're very good. And then something happens and you're just like, holy <laughs> crap, how am I going to get out of this? Um, oh my gosh. Yes. 2017, Natasha, a lot of things changed. Andrew yeah. was 34 at the time, if I remember, if I read correctly, yeah. and he was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Yeah. When you got the initial diagnosis, Natasha, I'm talking about you go into the doctors, you get the news, you're kind of still in shock, hasn't really sat with probably either of you, but now you got to go home and now you're sitting in bed. Now the kids are asleep and you're thinking to myself, wait, wait a minute. What is that? What is that even? What was that news like that night when you guys were maybe just talking, just like, yo, how are we going to attack this? It was, it was horrible, to be honest. It was horrible. It was so unexpected. You know, because he was so young, he had no risk factors. And actually, um, he had gone to the doctor multiple times that year. And they never tested him for it because they never suspected that. I hear that so much, man. Yeah. And I, even as a nurse, I worked on a colorectal unit Mm. at some point. And I didn't suspect it because I'm like, you have zero risk factors. Usually you see um, that type of cancer with somebody that smokes, drinks, and is overweight um, and, or just like really poor lifestyle choices with food um, or like a family history, but he had none of that, none. So it just, we were in such a state of shock. Like we had my daughter or our daughter was one at the time. She was still like, we're still carrying her in a, you know, a car seat you know, around, like she was so little. Um, 
but you know, we, we were people of faith. So we're like, you know, we're just going to tackle this head on and we're going to keep living our lives and that's it. And uh, yeah. So we one started. Of, one yeah. of the things Natasha that, that I really try and do with my siblings, my siblings, my little brother's 13 yeah. and my little sister's nine is I try and be honest with them about a lot of different things. When you had to tell them the news, how did you go about that? Because I think this is one thing, look, what's what I try and, and tell people, especially parents, when I go and speak in certain different platforms, I'm just like, man, like, you know, your kids are going to find out certain things with or without you. But at least if you inform them, they'll be able to get some some <laughs> direction on how to process it. Right. But again, they're, they're all young kids. Right. So what was that experience like? Because that I mean, how do you hold it together? Yeah. So this is, this is an interesting thing about our story actually is we decided to not tell the kids Mm. Mm. and um, our oldest was five. Right. So we had a five-year-old, a four-year-old. I guess my other one would have been two or three, I guess three. And then our youngest was one. So we didn't. And, um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to call it like if it was a mistake or not, it's hard to say Yeah. because we did. um, He like the two years that he was going through treatment, he looked and felt normal. So no one knew. Uh, Yes. No one knew. So um, he, so the kids got an extra two years of normalcy, I guess you could say with their dad. And we didn't expect him to die, to be honest with you. Like it didn't even cross our mind that he was actually going to die. So we're just like, no, we're just going to, you know, live our lives normally and just go through this. And so even though he was going through treatments and stuff like that, no one knew because he looked normal. Like he didn't lose his hair or like anything like that. He looked normal. We were running young adults group at church. The kids, they didn't know. Part of the reason too, I think, and I'm not saying this was right at all. You know, there are obviously some things that I would have changed, but it was really important for him specifically that he, the only people that knew were people that were going to 100% stand in faith with him. Yes. Cause he was the biggest battle is actually the mental battle an emotional battle that you go through with something like that, that, that was the biggest battle. So he didn't want any, he didn't want any room for anyone to speak anything negative over him or like him having to comfort them, you know, when he's trying to keep it together for himself and for his family. So, so I, I, yeah. I, I had a friend, I had a friend that passed away from cancer when I was at the Olympic games, I kind of spoke about it at, at the yeah. project X event, but um, you know, again, you got the news. We're still running this business, right? Things are looking prosperous. Things are still flowing well. It seems like he's going to, you know, you're not even, it hasn't even crossed your mind that uh, he may be gone. But yeah. those treatments, they're pricey, right? Yeah. It, it, and and one thing about bills is is they keep coming. You know what I'm saying? Like they keep coming. Yeah. So what did a day-to-day process look like, right? Because one, you have to operate the business. You have to be conscious of everything that's around you with all of the yeah. kids. You still got to be mom, right? You still yeah. got to be wife. You still have to yeah. do all things. So how were you keeping balance? What was keeping you rounded? Yes, your faith was absolutely yeah. there, but there are some other things that you had to mm-hmm. do. What were those other things? Yeah. So I didn't understand stress back then. Like I understand now, 
to be honest with you. Like, you, you know, stress is not a good thing. I think everyone knows stress is not a good thing, but I didn't really understand how stress works in the body and how it really suppresses your immune system and just the toll that it takes on you. And so we were doing what I feel like a lot of people were doing, like, you know, you're speaking positive, you're trying to act positive, but deep down inside, you're filled with anxiety, Mm. you're filled with stress, and you have no way of processing it because you just, you don't know how, you don't even know that it's an issue. You think as long as you're speaking in faith and you're walking in faith, you must be in faith. Now, looking back that's only part of the equation. How, how are you actually feeling actually says more than anything that you're saying and acting because how you're feeling, your emotions are literally your energy state and it has a biochemical reaction to every cell in your body. Okay? Intelligence. <laughs> yeah. Right. And that's why I take this stuff so seriously now, because I did not know that before. I just thought, you know, stress is bad, but whatever I'm tough. I'm tough. I'm mm. tough. You know, I'll just push through. I'll just push through. Just speak in faith, whatever. That was me. And uh, what happened was because I was internalizing so much stress and not even realizing it because I was in survival mode, right? Like your brain is in survival mode at that point. And so I'm just like taking care of my kids, taking care of my husband at the time I was basically his caregiver. Um, and I completely neglected myself, you know, like I'm still in the word. I'm still trying to speak positively. Um, but I, I was, I had no appetite. I had like body pain from the stress, from the anxiety. Like I became like almost like a skeleton and I didn't even realize it until after he passed away, to be honest. And even with him, he was also doing the same thing where it's like, he's trying to speak in faith and act in faith, but deep down, he is completely being consumed with anxiety and stress and fear. Mm. Right. And, 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 you know, that's what you're taught even in church. It's like, no, you just got to, you know, just stand in faith, just speak in faith. Right. But it's really inside you're being eaten up right by the stress. And I could see because he was trying, his main focus was keeping our business alive, right. To, to pay for bills. And we we're at the point where we started paying for private treatment, which we, you know, there were some days where, we had to choose between, you know, restocking on inventory or paying for the next cancer treatment. And so there'd be periods of time. And if you, if you have a business, you understand if you have no stock, you have no money, (laughs) you have no sales. Right. So it was this, I could see this him, I could see the stress on him of like trying to keep the business. And we have employees too. And, you know, he's trying to keep the business going, but he's trying to go through cancer treatments and pay for cancer treatments, you know, and like that stress, I really believe is what really deteriorated a lot faster, It made him deteriorate a lot faster. You know, and this is something I did not realize until after, to be honest. Uh, I read January 2019 is when he passed away, but I also read that you guys spoke on stage together two weeks prior before he passed away yeah so he actually we spoke on stage together on january 19th and he passed away on february 2nd i believe it was second or third it was like right after midnight yeah so it was two weeks later so leading up to that point still there's no thought behind he's he's that's gonna happen everything was normal yeah and that happened okay so <laughs> 
how did you take it? Because I also read at some point you said, you said that like your body looks sickly, right? Yeah. Like you didn't, yeah. like everything was kind of withered, but when we didn't expect this to happen, we thought we were pushing past it. And then the worst happened, Natasha. So what was those next couple of days left? What were you thinking about the business, about the kids? Your husband's gone. You, you yeah. just spoke about stress and anxiety, right? And we try to suppress it. No, it's yeah. there. It's there now. Yeah. What did you do? Yeah. 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 It was crazy because uh, we, we were in Arizona and he was getting treatments there, private treatments, and he was doing really good. So we're like, okay. They were like, Andrew, we want you to stay here longer. And he was like, no, I'm feeling good. Let me just go back for Christmas, take care of some business. So we did. So we came back. And that, that was, I think, the big mistake. Was coming back. Yeah, we should have stayed. And so he could have continued getting treatment. Um, so we had a really good Christmas together. He was feeling normal. And it was like, after New Year's, it was like, all of a sudden he woke up and he, it was like, he was sick. Like, it was like the first time you could see like something was wrong. And so that was beginning of January. And then, um, and then from there, he just like every day, he slowly started to slow down. And like, he wasn't looking well. And then by the time we spoke on stage, she was actually in a ton of pain that day. He was about, he was going to speak on stage and then he was going to fly uh, to go get a private CT done in the U S I think it was that Monday or something like that. And uh, so he like used all his strength and energy to go up, to go up on stage. And we spoke at a kingdom uh, business conference to a bunch of business people. And he spoke so well. Um, one day you should, if you can see that video. Yeah, please send it to me. Yeah. And then, um, the, I think it was the Saturday he spoke. And then on the Monday he went for a CT, uh, in the U S and then we found out that he, I think it was by Wednesday, we he got the results that he was completely full. Like it was just absolutely everywhere. It just had spread like wildfire. And by that point he was really sick. And then that's at that point, he started telling more people, we rushed him back to the U S um, to get treatment, more treatment. And uh, with, and it was the day after his birthday, we, we, we flew him back to the U S and uh, he was doing major treatment for like a couple days and he was responding well, but then his kidneys shut down and you can't live without your kidneys. Right. So then he, he passed away in the U S actually. Mm. So it was, it was just overall it was extremely traumatic experience because I had to fly back, tell their, tell my kids that their dad was gone and um, they didn't even get to say goodbye to their dad. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. That's um. Uh-huh. You know, when you talk about life, right, I think uh, we always expect the best to happen and we absolutely should, right? Mm-hmm. That's what gives us hope, but it's, things turn and, and it goes to show that like, man, we're not, we're not steering the ship here, right? Like we're not <laughs> yeah, steering yeah. the ship. Yeah. You know, one of the questions, Natasha, that, that I asked you um, when we were on the couch talking, I'm at that office there. I said, Natasha, what, what, what was the dynamics like? with your kids now that he was gone because now you have to you already playing so many different roles but now you have to step into that role what were some of the challenges that you saw uh raising these young beautiful babies now right because man, that's a lot to handle it's four of them 
It's a lot to handle. Oh my gosh. It was, it was awful to be honest. I'm trying not to cry. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It is all good over here. Um, Really, Sometimes, sometimes, man, sometimes we got to let it out. I tell, and and there's something that I should have got. I should have brought my tissue. Um, That for me was like, it was one thing to lose him. Like that was obviously completely devastating, but to, to see my four kids, to know that my four kids aren't going to have their dad anymore. (laughs) That was, that hits different. Hits, hits different. And especially because I knew how much he loved, like his family was the most important thing to him. He didn't want to die. He wanted to be, he fought so hard and I think because um like honestly it was it was because of my kids that I just I I went into mama bear mode like it didn't even matter how I was feeling in that moment like I didn't even care how I was feeling to be honest like I was full-blown mama bear mode and I'm like I what can I do to not make my kids suffer Hmm. you know and because they were he was a stay-home dad it's not like he was a jerk or like traveled and never was home and they barely knew him, you know, like he was home every day with them, playing with them, playing basketball. Like my oldest son, Malachi, like his dad and, and Kobe Bryant were, were his role models, mm. you know? And um, so, and then we had the, so, and the other thing I'm thinking right away is, my comp- I can't lose our company because that's our source of income, right? And it was, it was already holding on by a thread. So I just went into complete survival mode. And I'm like, my, my kids, they just lost their dad. They cannot lose their mom. Like, I cannot, I cannot become immobilized mm. by this. Like, so many people are, and understandably, they're like, Natasha, sell the business. Like, they're preparing me, you know, if you need antidepressants, like, you know, it's going to be a pro- like basically preparing me to be a woman that was going to now be in a state of depression and lost. And I'm like, that's not my story. I can't, I can't do that to my kids. So, you know, that's, that's, yeah. um, that's one of the things that, that I respect so much about you, Natasha. And I was looking for you at the, at the event to tell you, but you had already left. But <laughs> I'm going <tired>. <laughs> <laughs> on to my kids. I get it. I get it. Trust me. Because everything that you share with people, everything that you say, right, everything that you speak about, everything that people see, yeah. there, are, there are people out there who, to be quite honest, are just talking a good game. They are <laughs> that person, right? And so I'm just like, man, I have to have Natasha on because when people can see the wholeness of the person, right? When you can see, look, you walk the walk, you talk the talk, that this isn't just something that is a game to you. Like you mean what you say, because when we talk about joy, right? 
everything that you've been through, you're still joyful, you're still smiling, you're still dancing, you're still cheerful. But yeah. that's not an easy thing to do. And as, and, yeah. you, and as you spoke about in Project X, emotional intelligence. Yeah. So if you had to break that down, Natasha, as you so yeah. did eloquently a couple weeks ago, how does a person get from, from fighting stress and anxiety and depression in those states to moving in the spirit and the sense of joy where you can yeah. smile, where you can keep yeah. going? What does that even yeah. look like? Yeah. Yeah. You know, this is the blessing in disguise that came from it because I was so much like everybody else where you're like, you're supposed to be joyful. You're supposed to be, you know, happy and positive. Like it's something you're supposed to be, but that's not why I was being, that's not why I became that way. I was in survival mode. Right. So in my mind, I'm thinking, what do I need to do to survive? (laughs) To survive, to, to actually to survive, not only to survive, but to thrive, right? Because I had been suffering for the last few years with anxiety and stress. And, you know, the positive thinking affirmations, those are great, but there's got to be more to the story. And then I remember thinking to myself, one of the first thoughts, because I'm, you know, I'm cooking, I'm trying to like, I'm in a state of shock and I'm just like cooking and thinking, like, how am I going to do this? Right. And I remember thinking, okay, one of the first things I need to do, and this was like an instinct thing. It's like, I need to feel better. Like I need Mm -hmm. to do something to, I need to get a control of my emotions because I can't be crying every two seconds. Right. Like I can't, like I need energy to get out of bed. I need to be able to um, like the, the stress of the, the business, like it was so overwhelming. I can't even explain to you how overwhelming it was because I hadn't been the one running it. There was so much like administrative stuff and financial stuff and so many things that I had never done because he was responsible for. And all of a sudden I have that on my shoulders in addition to everything else in my life. So I was like, okay, the one thing I know I need to learn is um, how to get control of my emotions. So I wasn't, I wasn't thinking emotional. Oh, I need to be emotionally intelligent. I didn't even know what the hell that was, (laughs) you know, I was just like, yo, how can I feel better so I can function? (laughs) That's where I was at. Yeah. And then, so I started learning that and I started dive and I, you know, I I was, oh, I was, um, and I saw um, a woman of faith and a word woman, like I'm in the word every single day. And I knew a lot of it, like head knowledge, but I'm like, no, like I need, deeper. I need the power right now. I don't need the head. I don't head knowledge. Isn't going to help me right now. I need like power. You know, my, my life right now is too big for me. Mm. To my own. There's no possible physical way for one girl that's broken at 33 years old to now raise four kids, run a company and be happy and healthy without some sort of higher power intervention. Right. So Um, I started studying emotions, like just simple things, like how can I start to feel better? And then I would, everything I learn, I I, I always go back to the word of God and I cross-reference it. You know, do I see this in the word? I'm like, oh, that's what God means. Oh, that, oh, that's what he's talking about. The joy is your strength, you know? Anyway, so it's just like, it happened, you know, for about a year of just like every single day, just studying about emotions, studying how to get your mind right, how to you know, recreate a new life for yourself, a lot of things that you kind of hear about, but you don't really embody. Mm -hmm. If you know what I mean, you're not like actually living it. I was done with that. Like, I I, like, I want to live this, I want to understand this. And um, so that's kind of how it evolved. And then before you know it, I was 
like feeling this joy that I've never felt before and this peace that I've never felt before and happiness and excitement for life that I'd never felt before. And and yeah, that's, that's how it evolved. You know, I think, I think, I think one of the missing pieces I forgot to add um, that was 2019 when Andrew passed away. Twenty twenty, the you know, the pandemic came. Right? Yeah. But, you know, oh, so. by the way, now we're in a global pandemic. Just to throw that in there. Yeah. yeah. So it's I like know. there's all that to process. It's probably the worst. Probably the worst time to process death, especially is during that time. But in that time, you yeah. found different ways to continue to grow and continue to develop, yeah. and the business yeah. is thriving, and you're able to do more things. And it honestly reminds me, Natasha, of the story of Job, right? When he lost his kids, and then the Lord blessed him with more towards the end of the road. But I yeah. always say, man, you often don't know what is on the other side, and you can't go around it, and you can't wait for it. You just have to go through it, and it's yeah. painful, and it's gonna yeah. suck, and it's going to hurt, yeah. and it's gonna take yeah. everything out of you. But then yeah. once you come out on the other side, you don't forget what happened, but you become a little bit more resilient as you're going through it. Yes. When you think about you, the person in its entirety, right? Yeah. Um, all that you've been created, all the branding stuff and all of that stuff is cool. It's just, it's just labels. But if you understand the person, you understand why the product and the labels are, are what they are. Yeah. People see you. Right. When your kids see you home and they see mom, they don't even care about anything else. They just care about mom. What do you want to instill in them as they get older? What do you hope that they get from you? Because they're not going to remember it. You just just hope they catch a couple of things. But what do you want them to remember as they're growing in their development? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Because I remember thinking to myself, you know, because people were telling me, Natasha, quit your business and go back into nursing. It's a great career. You don't need the stress of the business. And I remember thinking, I'm like, no, I'm not giving up my dream. You know, I just lost my husband. I'm not going to lose my company too. And I'm like, my kids need to see mom going after her dreams. That even if she doesn't do it perfectly, they need to see that. And, And I'm their biggest role model. So for me, that's what I wanted them to see. And that's what they've been seeing. And I, and I see the transformation in Mm -hmm. them because, you know, you can tell your kids, whatever, just like our parents did, you know, (laughs) they said one thing and did another thing, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, they see how mom, you know, they've seen me on my days that I've been crying and had my breakdowns. They've seen me believe for things and use the power of visualization, the power of manifestation, the power of walking by faith, the power of prayer, the power of just like daily, you know, um, self-development, inner work, devotional time. They see it and then they see the fruit of it. Mm. They see the fruit of it. They see the cool things that mom has been able to accomplish that doesn't make sense. Right. And um, so for me, that's been the most powerful thing that I've been wanting them to see. This, this, you're giving small snippets uh, for people and to get the full deal, they obviously got to come to you, right? And to get that expanded. Um, Natasha, before we close out, I want you to do two things. One, obviously... Tell us the best way for people to keep in touch with you. I know you have uh, you have a wellness. Is it, is it a wellness Wednesday you do every Wednesday? 
Yeah, yeah. So I have a beauty wellness brand. Yes. And um, so we sell, uh, like I have physical products, makeup products, wellness products uh, for women and stuff. Uh, But one thing that I've been doing, and this is really how my business turned more into a passion project where I've really aligned it with what I'm truly passionate about. And also so I can share these sorts of things with anyone else that's like struggling and wanting to have their own, you know, transformation. Uh, so on Wednesdays, I, I live stream now um, on TikTok for Wellness Wednesdays. Um, I do I do home workouts on Saturdays. Uh, but if they want to like get in touch with me, they can um, they can just DM me on Instagram. I would say it would probably be the easiest way. Yeah, and if you do the workouts with Natasha, I mean she's in great shape, right? So you just got to keep up, right? But- yeah, yeah. I, I'm inspiring. You know what? My my story is very sobering for people. So you know, most people have a lot of excuses, especially moms. Like my audience is all moms, or not all, but mostly moms, and uh, a lot of moms that have gone through a divorce or a loss, also, or just you know, just trying to figure out who they are again. And uh, a lot of times we have all these excuses of why we can't take care of ourselves and give ourselves permission to take care of ourselves. And then they see me and they hear my story and how this, you know, widowed mom with four kids is doing it. And right away, all their excuses go out the window, you know? So that's why I do this. Yeah. Just to inspire them to do it. Natasha, every morning um, we wake up and we create our foundation, you know, whether maybe that's meditation for some, maybe getting in the word, maybe it's going for a walk, but you do something yeah. for yourself to get yourself nourished. And hopefully the alignment of that, the Lord yes. speaks to you and you get it. Natasha, I want you to close us out with a message that is on your heart, right? Because it's, 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 it's tough out here in so many different ways, yeah. right? When you, we're still a little bit in the pandemic, not as much, but just because we're out of it doesn't mean we've recovered from it. Yeah. So what what is a message on your heart today in this season that you could share with our audience today, just to give them a word of encouragement to keep pushing? Yeah, I love that. Um, What's coming to my mind, my spirit right now is nothing changes until you change. Mm. Okay. Mm. Nothing will change until you change. And the good thing about this is it doesn't matter how far gone you think you are, how messy your situation is right now, or how far away you think you are from your goals. Every single day, carve out time to sew into yourself first, Mm. that inner work first, because I promise you right now, this is for all of us, our outer world in your home, your relationships, your business, your whatever it is, is a reflection of what's going on inside of you. Okay. So if you can take that time every single day, protect that time, give yourself permission, especially moms don't want to give themselves permission to take care of themselves. Take that time every single day to do that inner work and your world will change. And I want to add to this. It doesn't always have to be a struggle. I know we believe this and I believe this too, but one of the biggest mind shifts I had in this process was it can be fun and easy. Mm. Mm-hmm. It can be fun and easy. And, and so it, there was a lot of things that I still have to deal with now where I'm like, no, this gets to be fun and easy. Or what's the fun, what's the fun way to do this? What is the fun way? to do this look there's nothing from else for me to say i just got to pass the virtual collection play <laughs> this thing it'll change everything <laughs> for you your workouts your business your relationships whatever you're working on what's the fun way to do this 
you know, one of the shifts that I've done for me is I, I stop going through things saying that I have to, you know, mm-hmm. I get to do it because there are people who don't have the same extremities that I have. Right. Yeah. I get to do certain things that most people yeah. Um, Natasha, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. And as I've said before, so much love and respect for you, not because you're perfect, but because you got up when it was so easy to say, you know what, not today. And I think uh, that's something that a lot of people can take from you because, you know, juggling four kids is a workout in its own, you know, but uh, but here you are still showing up. So, Natasha, thank you so much for your time. Thank you.